Typhoon season isn't over. Before 2020 finally says goodbye, the Philippine Weather Bureau says that two to three more storms could make landfall and wreak havoc on a country that's already been battered by storm after storm after storm. According to the latest damage estimate from the Department of Agriculture, the farm sector incurred losses worth 6.72 billion pesos from Typhoon Ulysses alone. Hello and welcome to B-Side, where we revisit business world stories and tell a few of our own. In this episode, Raul Q. Montemayor, National Manager of the Federation of Free Farmers, talks about the impact of these natural calamities on our farmers. Mr. Montemayor gives business world reporter Revin Ochave a crash course on the effects of the rice tariffication law and what the agriculture sector will look like moving forward. I wish I could say that the episode ends on a hopeful note, but it doesn't. Mr. Montemayor says several times that he's quite pessimistic. Start po natin yung discussion po natin with damage po sa agrikultura na dinulot ni Bagyong Ulysses. Ano pong masasabi ng FFF po rito? If we look at the news, grabe yung baha. Definitely with that kind of flooding, lahat ng crops niyan and even livestock posibleng dinamaan. As remembered, yung Ulysses was only the third or fourth in a series of typhoons that hit Luzon area especially. Sabi nga nung kausap ko sa Isabela, which is one of the flooded areas now, yung previous typhoons, mas matindi pa ang damage nila kasi ready to harvest yung mga crops nila at that time. Nanubog. And then comes Ulysses, parang topping na lang sa ice cream yung Ulysses sa kanila kasi wala na eh. Naubos na yung crop nila sa previous typhoons. Definitely maraming damage. For Palay specifically, medyo patapos na rin kasi yung harvest time. So meron pa rin tinamaan yung mga naglate na schedule ng harvest. But I think that the bulk of the crop of Palay was already harvested before the typhoons. But of course, hindi lang naman Palay ang tinamaan dyan. Corn is heavily affected because by this time, or the time of the typhoons, nakatanim na yung karamihan sa corn area. Siguro mga one to two month old crop na yung mga nakatanim na corn. Talagang yun, wash out talagang. Sa tansya niyo po, sir, mga ilang buwan po bago maka-recover from Ulysses, hoping na wala na pong bagyong papasok sa Pilipinas by the end of the year. For crops, hintayin muna nilang mag-subside yung floods. Then they will start to plant and then they will wait for three to four months before they harvest again. So, medyo mahaba-haba pa yan. That's what they can do. They will just have to replant and hopefully they can recover from the damage. Any comment po from FFF? Kasi may recent po kaming webinar with Asis Perez, dating BIFAR director. And group po nila ngayon is Tugon Kabuhayan, convener po siya. His group is saying po na yung estimate damages po talaga, let's say from BA, ay hindi po ganoong ka-accurate. Medyo either po understated or mas mataas pa po sa tunay. Kumbaga, medyo kulang yung nire-report po na damage ng BA. Kasi ang kinocompute lang daw po nila is yung crops with value. Kumbaga. Pero yung mga crops po, let's say na for personal consumption daw po ng farmers and yung sa bahay nila, let's say, pag nasira po yung bahay nila, hindi na nabibilang or nasasama doon sa computation po ng DA. Any thoughts po? 
that's very possible kasi I doubt kung merong data yung DA tungkol dyan sa mga ibang properties or assets ng farmers. Pero definitely, hindi lang naman crop eh. Pwede yung mga bahay nila, yung mga equipment na nalubog din, mga baboy na nakuan. I could understand it's very hard to estimate that. It's a problem of having the right data before the floods come in. Eh. Kasi kung kompleto sana yung information, you can easily estimate kung ano talaga yung extent of damage. Right now, it's more of a guessing game. Kung minsan nga may tendency yan, they will even inflate the damage so that they can get more budgets or use the calamity as an excuse for not meeting their targets. <laughs> so hindi natin alam kung anong totoo dyan. Based po sa mga balita natin sa TV, sa radyo, kamusta po ang response ng DA overall since pepito po dahil doon po nag-start yung mga malalakas talaga na bagyo eh. Kamusta po ang response nila sa farmers so far? Kami kasi, we base it on our perception of how the DA has been faring, not only during this time, but even before the implementation of RCEF, implementation of other programs. And our impression is they put a lot of hype in mass media, in uh, public statements. Pero you compare that with the feedback that we get from the field, ang layo, ang comment ng marami, purus papogi, pero wala naman masyadong delivery sa baba. First, there is COVID. It's just affected yung delivery. But at the same time, the DA now has a tendency of making announcements, raising expectations that they cannot meet in the field. For example, they will say, we are buying at 19 pesos yung NFA. Pag nabasa yan ng iba, o oh, meron naman palang NFA. Why are farmers complaining? Pero... In fact, in the field, the farmers know they cannot just sell to NFA because it has to be dried, it has to be delivered to NFA, etc. There is only a very small percentage of farmers who can meet the NFA standards. Yun yung reality. Pero pag ina-announce ng DA as if any farmer who wants to sell to NFA can sell at 19 pesos. Ganun din yung nangyari sa mga RCEF support for seeds and fertilizer. Urus announcement. Then you get a lot of feedback hanggang nakaharvest na yung farmer, wala pa yung abono. Ang daming feedback na nga. In fact, I think I mentioned to you, Secretary William Dar's own Facebook page, and you look at his post, and then you read the comments to his posts. Grabe, ang sama ng loob ng mga farmers about him saying one thing, but in reality, it's not happening in the field. Kung yun ang pagbabasihan natin, then magkaroon ng bagyo, Then he announces, we are giving 800 million to Isabela ba yun or Gagayan? No? Question mark na kagad sa isip ko, totoo kaya yan? <laughs> or pinagsama-sama lang nila yung existing programs na ibibigay naman talaga kahit walang bagyo. And then they will say, oh, this is our ayuda. Ayuda pa nga ang tawag. Parang doesn't sound nice. Eh, no? Parang nagbibigay ka ng limos sa isang naglilimos sa kalsada. Ah, you deliver. Kung ano yung job mo, you do it. Hindi na kailangan ayuda yan. Kaya yeah, little bit pessimistic kung ganyan. Hopefully naman, for the good of the farmers, they can deliver. But if we base it on previous performance, medyo marami kaming doubts. Ano po sa tingin niyo ang kailangan gawin ng DA to minimize damage? Kasi may PSA report din po tayo recently na across all sectors po sa Philippines, 
agriculture sector ang nagsustain ng pinakamataas na damage pagdating po sa natural calamities. Siya ang leading eh. Ano po kaya ang magandang gawin ng DA para po mabawasan ang damage sa agriculture? Yan ang nature kasi ng agriculture. Susceptible to climate, to natural disturbances. Alam natin yon Every year kung ilang bagyo yung tumatama. And then now you have drought and other types of calamity. So, to some extent, you cannot avoid. It will happen. First, you have to prepare. Okay, so that if it happens, then you can recover easily. Yun yung mas maliwanag na step. Kumbaga sa disaster risk management, you know the risk will come. You don't know when, but it will come. So you prepare the boats, you prepare all of the things you need to help the victims. So isa yun. But I think even more basic than that, you have to build up yung resiliency ng farmers at ng farming communities. No? So that if these calamities come, you have a better chance of surviving and recovering from that damage. So dalawang aspect yun eh. Strengthening yung resiliency ng farmers at the same time helping him when the calamity strikes. Sa nakikita ko na yung ganung program eh, hindi comprehensive. Parang reactive parati yung DA. Yung din ang nangyayari dun sa mga like prices go down. Why? Because maraming imports. Then magre-react sila. Sasabihin na, oh, MFA buying... O kaya we stop the issuance of SPSIC, we prohibit co-ops from importing. Pero tapos na yung problema, natapos na eh. They are just reacting to it. When they know na these things can happen, dapat before pa mangyari yun, meron na silang ginagawang paraan. So yun ang basic comment ko sa performance nila. How about establishment of more drying facilities? Dahil kapag po nabasa ang palay during bagyo, That has been a problem all along. Alam na nila yan eh. Yung sa private sector kasi, yung drying kasi, it's not a good investment to buy a dryer. Kung sa negosyante ka, and then you buy these mechanical dryers that are fed by fuel, you use that only during parang last recourse, and then you use it only for several months or days. And it's very expensive to operate kasi fuel-based yan. Eh. And then may kuryente din kung minsan. So, public investment dapat yan. Hindi mo pwedeng asahan yung mga co-ops at saka negosyante to invest heavily in these types of dryers. But of course, tulad na yun, kahit may dryer ka, eh, baha eh. Wala rin. But in more normal times na maulan lang, The dryers will be very useful. May isa rin recent study. Published po siya ng PIDSER, Philippine Institute for Development Studies. Sinasabi po na ang farmers daw po sa Pinggit hindi po na-utilize kumbaga ang weather reports ng pag-asa. Hindi daw po nila alam gamitin and hindi daw po nila ma-access dahil wala daw po silang capability na tignan. Kasi usually po yan sa internet yan eh. In terms of weather po, ano pong pwede i-improve ng DA in terms of kumbaga, preparation sa farmer him themselves po before the typhoon or the storm hits? Actually, matagal na namin sinasabi sa DA yan. Eh, that they need to translate the pag-asa data into information that is useful to the farmer. No? Kasi pag, pag nag-predict ang pag-asa, bukas uulan. That kind of information is for people in Metro Manila. Bring your umbrella, ibig sabihin nun. No? Pero anong ibig sabihin nun doon sa nagtatanim ng gulay sa binggit? 
is it good or bad? Malay natin eh, matagal na silang walang ulan. O di maganda. Or baka masyadong maulan, babahain yung tanim nila. So, that kind of information from pag-asa, it tells them millimeters of rain tomorrow or next month. You have to translate that into, let's say, for a certain crop at a certain stage of planting, ano ba yung water requirements ng crop na yan? And if this rain comes, is it too much or too little? Diba? You have to translate it. Hindi siya pang Manila dapat, pang bukid na information. That's one thing. And then the other one, of course, deliver it to the bundok. Paano mo paratingin yung information na yan? But you can use radio. Hindi na kailangan internet dyan. But you have to package the information in such a way that pati yung radio announcer hindi marunong sa climate, pero babasahin niya in a package form that is meaningful to farmers. Pero din, pagbagyo, in fact, matatawa nga ako, sabi ng DA, they say billions of pesos by telling the farmers in advance that the typhoons will come. Eh sino bang walang alam na parating ang bagyo? It's all over the news. May take credit for that, natatawa nga ako eh. And for a farmer, alam niya may darating na bagyo, in some way, they can still salvage some of the crop kung pwede nang anihin. Pero kung bagong tanim pa lang, wala ka nang magagawa doon eh. Ano bang aanihin mo doon? Kung baga, the typhoon is already coming, there's very little that the farmer can do except to siguro isafe kit niya yung mga animals niya, ayusin yung bahay niya, pero yung crop niya, mahirap isalvage yun eh. Kasi if you harvest immature palay, you will not get good rice from that. Hindi nagtitin po dun sa PIDS na study. Localized naman daw po ang weather report. Would it be feasible with the funds na meron ng DA ngayon? Oh, localized pa rin, pero it's not packaged for the farmer. Ang sasabihin lang nila, millimeters of rain. Will it rain tomorrow? Chances of rain, probability, chances of sunlight. But hindi ganun yung kailangan ng information ng farmer. Ang kailangan niya, ano yung epekto nun dun sa crop niya? Is it too much or too little? And although pag-asa has local data, ang patente ni ko, they do not have data by province. Ang meron silang mga data collection points, let's say a data collection point in one area may be used for the weather information for provinces around that area. Hindi pa sa ganung ka-location specific yung data collection nila. Marami pa ring improvement ang kailangan. Jumping from that lang po, sir. Sabi po sa data ng government, agriculture sector lang daw po ang isa sa mga sector ng ekonomiya natin na nag-improve despite the pandemic. Neto lang pong third quarter, 0.7 po ang growth, sabi ng PSA. With the typhoons po, recent, yan ay mga sunod-sunod po na bagyo, Ano po kaya ang may expect natin for the fourth quarter? And alam ko po usually, historically, ang fourth quarter po ang pinakamalakas na period ng agri-sector. Eh. Actually, ako hindi ako surprised why agriculture had positive growth. No? Unang-una, they are comparing it to 2019 which was a drought year. In fact, you compare 2019 to 2018, malaki yung pagbagsak ng 2019 compared to 2018. And then 2020, medyo naka-recover. But since you are basing your figures against a period when the production was very low, medyo deceptive siya kasi parang ang laki ng jump. 
But if you look at the data, the 2020 results are just almost equal to 2018 performance. So we are just back to where we started. I don't call that a big achievement. Hindi ako surprised na makarecover ang agriculture. Basta wala nang malalaking bagyo. Kasi kahit may COVID, tutubo pa naman yung mga tanim. Eh. It's not very susceptible to a pandemic in the sense that farmers can still farm. And once they plant the seeds, those crops will still grow eh, kahit may pandemic. No? Hindi tulad dito sa Manila, walang trabaho. At wala ka naman matatanim sa semento. From the subsectors po, kung hindi man sa rice or sa corn, sa fisheries po or sa livestock, ano po yung pwedeng immediate na i-improve ni Secretary Dar or ng DA in general na kahit pa paano po eh, may slight upgrade sa sector? The first thing that comes to my mind is stabilize farm gate prices. Hirap na hirap yung farmer pagka ganong kalalakas yung swings in prices. Because they will plant, they will invest, and then pag-ani nila, lugi. That is a very discouraging thing for farmers and it affects their decision in the next crop, how they will plant. So, hindi naman namin sinasabing stop imports or whatever, but manage imports very well so that prices will be stable in the yung akat baba, akat baba. So that when the farmers make planting decisions, meron silang konting assurance na ganito yung ibibenta ko yung produkto ko. Kikita ko kahit konti. I think right now, even the farmers, they cannot guess what the DA will do. Parang hindi predictable yung movement ng DA. They will say, imports are a last resort. Di ba sinabi ni Secretary Darion? Pero titignan mo, Ang daming binigyan ng import permit, ang daming pumasok na import. Nakikita ng farmer din yan eh. And then siya yung farmer ang nakaka... He feels the effect because he's the one selling his product at a low price. And yun ang parang nadi-discourage yung mga farmers. At the same time, of course, nahirapan sila dahil kukunti ang kita nila kung kumita man. No? So I think one is do something about prices and then repackage yung support system. Sa ngayon, ang napapansin ko, yung binibigay ng DA, parang a little bit of this, a little bit of that, walang plano for a certain locality, i-assess mo yung kulang sa locality na yun, whether it's irrigation or whether mechanization or whatever. Then you package your support program to address those gaps. Mahirap siya, pero that's how they should do it. The yung, they spread the goods all over without any really master plan on what they want to achieve. Jumping din po doon, magsi-second year na po or mag-anniversary na ulit ang implementation ng rice tarification law next year. Ano pong masasabi natin sa rice tarification law? Ang basic premise kasi ng tarification law is magmumura yung bigas. They will use the tariffs from the imported rice to help farmers become competitive. Magmumura yung bigas, matatamaan yung farmer, pero that government will find a way so that the farmer will become competitive and profitable even with lower prices. Ganun yung theory nila. Nagmura ba yung bigas? The price of rice now is the same as the price in 2017. In 2018, tumaas yung presyo ng bigas dahil nagkaroon ng rice crisis. And then pagpasok ng RTL noong 2019, because of the influx of imports, bumaba yung presyo. So in a way, yes, nagmura yung bigas. 
pero nagmura siya in comparison to 2018 prices during the crisis. They, they actually become cheaper compared to 2017 when there was still no RPL. Hindi eh. Halos pareho lang yung presyo ngayon kaysa yung presyo nung 2016, 2017. On that score, I don't think they achieved their targets no? kasi they are saying, oh, bumababay so much, but bumabasa against the crisis years. Hindi naman yung dapat ang comparison nila. And then on the other side, bumagsak yung presyo ng palay, so maraming farmers ang naapektuhan. But the implementation of RCEF was very delayed. In 2019, out of the 10 billion, I think they only spent about 3 billion out of the 10 billion budget for RCEF. No? Uh, kasi na, na delay delay yung implementation. And 10 billion is not enough to offset yung losses ng farmers, which we compute as 40 billion at least. Again, naging mas competitive ba yung mga farmer? Hindi eh. Lalo nga silang nahirapan. In fact, I would say the farmers now are in a worse position compared to their situation before RTM. And then, based on our studies, ang nakinabang dito yung traders at saka importers. Not the consumers, not the farmers, but it was the middlemen who cornered most of the profits from import liberalization. And then they will say, pagka wala itong RTM, magkakaroon ng rice shortage. Not true. How can they explain that the prices now, when we have RTL for the past two years already, almost two years, are just the same as they were in 2017 and 2016? So saan yung nagmura yung bigas? Nagmura, yes, against the very high prices in 2018 na nagkaroon ng crisis ang usual na excuse ng mga pro-RTL is masyado pa pong maaga para i-judge ang effects ng RTL sa farmers. Heading to year 2 po, valid pa rin po kaya ang excuse na yun? There is some grain of truth to that. But in the meantime, grabe yung sakripisyo ng mga farmers. Itapon mo yung baby doon sa tubig para matuto siya lumangoy. Up to when do you allow him to start gasping for breath before you come in to save him from drowning. Kung nakikita mong nahihirapan na kahit nakakaumpisa pa lang, maglagay ka na ng salbabida dyan. O kaya tumungan mo na siya na lumangoy. Why wait for two years? After two years or three years? In fact, sabi na ngayon, three years. Baka by that time, wala na. Patay na yung father. Hindi na siya makaka-recover. May recent comment po si Senator Villar saying na hindi na daw po mariripil ang RTL. And ang effort na lang daw po ay dapat i-improve kaysa po i-repeal ang batas. Ano pong masasabi nyo? Yung repeal kasi, when some people talk about repeal, what they mean is the present law is not working. So we have to repeal it in quotation marks and replace it with better law. Yun ang ibig sabihin nila. Hindi yung tanggalin mo yan and then balik dun sa dati. They're saying the same thing as what Villar is saying. Villar is saying, do not repeal, just amend. Oh, yung iba, ang language sa Manila, repeal but replace with a better law, which is basically the same thing. Bago na ang tono ni Villar ngayon, ha? he is now open to some changes. Uh, at the start, she was saying, no, it's a good law. You wait, there's no need to amend it or whatever. For a legislator to say, we cannot repeal, eh, sila nga ang nagre-repeal ng ibang batas eh. They repeal the laws that impose the QR and replace it with RTL. How can she say that nobody can repeal RTL? 
Depende yan sa takbo ng legislature. If they find out that it really is not working well, there is always every reason to repeal or to amend the RTL. Ano po ang prediction ng FFF tungkol sa RTL? Kung pumagsak uli ang presyo next year, it will become a political issue. In fact, ngayon pa ng political issue na yan, eh, makikita mo yung mga Facebook comments. Nung una, binabanatan nila si Villar. Then, binabanatan na nila si Secretary Dar. And then, some people are starting na binabanatan na nila si Duterte. It's growing yung sense of desperation now or disappointment in the government. And if that happens again next year, it will become a political issue. It might instigate some effort sa Congress to change the law. Para ipakita ng mga politiko, oh, ako yung savior ninyo. But pinahirapan nila yung farmers ng dalawang taon. Realistically, it will be very hard to go back to the QR. Kasi ang problema natin dyan yung WTO. Since we have already informed them that we are removing the QR, putting it back in will be a violation of WTO rules. If you want to do that, you will have to negotiate for an exemption again. Madugo yun. I think there are ways to handle the import issue without reimposing the QR. Matagal na namin sinasabi sa DA, use the safeguard tariffs. Ibalik mo yung import licensing ng importers. That's what other countries are doing. They will impose requirements before you can get a license na medyo subtle. And of course, yung safeguard tariffs which they don't want to use. Ano po ba sir ang mga gustong i-amend sa batas? Ano pong mga pinaglalaban ng grupo at ng mga ibang farmers groups din po? We want stronger language on the safeguards. Kasi sa ngayon, ayaw nilang gamitin eh. We want it to be mandatory on the side of DA to use those safeguards in certain conditions when there is proven harm to the farmers at medyo malalala yung situation. At dapat gamitin. Dapat nakalagay yun sa batas. We cannot say, oh, we terminated the study. Why? Wala lang. We terminated it. No? Ganun ang ginawa nila last year. Pinabayaan lang nila yung problem. Then, ibalik yung licensing because it will be a better way to manage the imports. I-redefine yung function ng NFA. Nakalagay sa batas, buffer stocking na lang ang NFA. So, ang implication nun, pag naka-ipo na yung NFA ng enough buffer stocks, stop buying na siya. And then the law also says the NFA can only release those stocks if there is a calamity. Like now, nabibigay sila ng stocks. And then later on, they said, okay, pwede mag-replenish yung NFA ng aging stocks. Yung mga luma, ibenta, then bumili ng bago. That's okay. But what are they doing now? Si Dar, Secretary Dar, instructed NFA to buy and sell newly harvested palay. Ibenta mo para magkapera kayo para makabili uri ng palay. That is against the spirit of the RTL because RTL wanted NFA to get out of the rice business in terms of buying palay and selling rice. And then, yung isang tinulak namin when they were discussing the IRR of the RTL, yung farmer representation in the RCEF implementation. It was in the draft of the IRR, but in the final version, biglang nawala. Tinanggal nila lahat ng farmer representatives doon sa management committee. So we want that put back. And then yung hindi kami contented doon sa ginawa ni Villar na 50% mechanization, 30% seeds. 
in that 10% capital. Because the needs of communities and farming areas are different. Yung sabi ko kanina, dapat area-specific yung intervention. Hindi pwedeng machines lahat. Eh kung hindi yun ang kailangan nila, wala silang makukuha. So it has to be localized yung intervention. Actually, marami yung kailangan ng amendment. Eh. You cannot, for example, reallocate the RCEP funds if it's not in the law. Eh. Let's say, malaki yung balance ng machinery kasi mahina ang demand. You cannot use part of that fund to buy fertilizer. Bawal yun. You can only use it for machines. Napaka-rigid yung batas eh. These are very trying times for farmers. Aside from calamities, I think we have what I would say a very problematic DA in terms of delivery of services. They are saying it's new thinking, it's a new approach, eight paradigms, etc., etc. But you go to the field, it's all the same. It's the same problems and to some extent even worse problems now than before. And dami daming mga impressive ideas and pronouncements, but there is very little improvement down in the field. So I'm a little bit pessimistic. Ang sabi nga namin, let's just wait for the next administration. Mukhang walang mangyayari dito. Because even the consultative mechanism of DA under the PICAF, yung Philippine Council for Agriculture and Fisheries, binuwag nila yun eh. They dismantled it. Sabi namin, ano yan? Parang ibang-iba na yung atmosphere sa DA ngayon na in the past, there was open lines of communication with the secretary, with the department. Now, there are so many more problems and that line of communication has been seriously curtailed. So, I don't know if they will still change. There is still time. Hopefully, yes. But yung nga, yung farmer, no choice siya. Itong recent episode, this will have longer-reaching effects sa agriculture kasi siguro one season of low prices kaya pa ng farmer. Pero two seasons, three seasons, medyo mahihirapan na siyang bumangon yan. Mababaon na yan sa utang, mahirapan sa makarecover, and that will translate into lower investments in agriculture. And maybe even some farmers will just get out of farming and sell their lands. I'm not very optimistic na magkakaroon ng major improvements sa agriculture in the coming period. A lot of the farmers will still continue to plant because that's the only thing they can do. So magtatanim pa nga rin sila. Kahit may bagyo, kahit bagsak ang presyo, tuloy pa rin yung farming. But whether they will really become competitive, efficient, and profitable, a bigger question mark now than before. Mas malaking problema I think ngayon kaysa dati. Yung agriculture, parang siyang kalabaw. Mabagal pero tuloy-tuloy. Bumagapang siya kahit paakyat na, kahit hirap na. Mabagal nga lang, pero kumakayod. So I think that's how we characterize it. And slow growth, but consistent growth. Barring major typhoons or calamities. Long-lasting naman yung farmer. He will outlive these people in the DA now and hopefully the people who will change them will perform better. So ganun lang naman yung tapo sa DA. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Raul Q. Montemayor, National Manager of the Federation of Free Farmers, talking with Business World reporter Revin Ochave. One takeaway from their conversation. 
Mr. Montemayor says that the Department of Agriculture likes to hype itself up, raise expectations. But go out to the field, talk with the farmers, and they'll tell you that they have the same problems, even more so now, and that the storm is far from over. This episode of B-Side was recorded remotely on November 17. This is Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.